When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Unsuckable Podcast. I'm your host, Manuel Fede. Yeah, and we're back. Champions League, Europa League review. Um, lots to talk about this week. And um, there's just three of us this week. And also, because Filippo didn't do his homework, um, something about having to actually having to do a day job, he didn't watch as many games, Filippo. Yeah. I mean, yeah. come on, buddy. You have one job, and that's watching football. Can't be that difficult. I was going I though. Coach, <laughs> I also coach. I also coach kids, so I was working with yeah. soccer, football, and I was following the games through my phone, watching them, streaming them, Paramount Plus. But I wasn't able to. It look. I don't want to come here and BS people, so I wasn't able to fully watch it. So I don't want to give my full opinion. I'll give my opinion on the results, mm. and I'll do a great job hosting, trying to keep it like Manuel does, but. We're going to hear you two talk about it. Manuel, yeah. I'm doing great. And should I start hosting from now, Manuel? Let's bring in Josh first here. Hey, Josh, how's it going? Um, you had an eventful Thursday. I did. I did. It was a, it was a, it was a painful one, to, to be honest. I, I, didn't, I didn't fully see that result coming. I, I was expecting them. I didn't think that we would stroll by Rangers and by any stretch. But just given the fact that Dortmund's been so up and down and they came off a really positive away result against Union Berlin, I was just expecting more of a fight and they got absolutely smashed and, and definitely deserved to lose in my opinion. Yeah. All right. So today, just to recap real quick, we're going to go through the Champions League recap, then the Europa League recap, and then we'll dive into the CONCACAF Champions League towards the end. Maybe that one, Manuel, I can talk a little bit about more because I actually followed because it's later in the day, more watchable for me. Hopefully one day I can work a little less and watch more soccer. That would be delightful. But let's start the Champions League. All right. So the first game we want to talk about is Sporting in Manchester City. And we talked about it last week. And when we talked about it last week, we kind of thought it was going to be a game. And Sporting would put up a fight. Adrian said it. I said it. Everyone thought that there was a chance. But Manuel, there was no game. Uh, Manchester City ran over them 5-0. What do you have to say about that game? Yeah, so I had to watch this one back because um, in my infinite wisdom, I thought that PSG against Real Madrid would be the game to watch. Um, yeah, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But yeah, I think that was... Uh, City 
were very impressive and sporting really had nothing to offer in terms of trying to shut down this Pep Guardiola side. And I mean, we've seen them do it this all year, right? City, um, the way they've been dominating um, teams in the Premier League as well and um, the way they are just able to get the results. And I think from all the ties that I've seen this this week, week uh, in both competitions or all three competitions, really, I would say that this one is the one that's definitely over. Um, there's no way that Sporting are gonna get any goals even, and I was a little bit disappointed too because I I would think I would think that Amorim would like give Pep a little bit of a of a game, but um you know once Maris and Bernardo Silva made it two nil, um it becomes really difficult, and even the second half you get you got the sense that City could have probably scored a few more, and they kind of left Sporting alone a little bit, um you know, spare them a little bit. And I think when you now look at this result, you you would have to say, especially with all the other teams, the all the other favorites in this competition, not looking quite as strong. It's probably cities now. Um, you know, Pep Guardiola is getting a lot of pre- will have a lot of pressure after this result because like he goes into Portugal, beats them five nil, and his his team looks in really great form. Yeah, also Pep Guardiola's situation right now is, unlike many different managers, it's if he doesn't win the Champions League, it's a failure, right? For some managers, if they make it to the final, it's like, yeah, sure, we lost here, but sure, we we made it this far. For Pep Guardiola, it seems like there's no other alternative, but he has to win a Champions League with all the money he poured into this team, how they're playing. They also have some experienced players. They've been around for long enough. But I want to talk. let Josh talk about this game as well because Dortmund did face Sporting in the group stage, right? Losing the first game 3-1 at Portugal. And then Dortmund would go back in Germany and win, I believe. the Actually, it was the other way around. The first game was in Germany and Dortmund won 1-0. And then the second game was in Portugal and Sporting won 3-1. It didn't seem, Josh, that... Manchester City was very bothered of playing in Portugal, unlike Dortmund, right? I, I think I think Sporting going through might have saved Dortmund from an embarrassment here if they played Manchester City. Yeah, I don't think that's a, much of a debate. It just it just shows the quality and and the way that Pep's got these guys playing. Because I mean, Dortmund had their difficulties on and off the pitch going into the group stage and were disappointed and obviously put to the Roper League, where it looks like they're going to be sent packing as well. But this is a good sporting side regardless. It just, it just shows where Pep in this side is because City on the day can turn it on. And you see it in the Premier League all the time. I'm, I'm doing the quotations, but people like to assume that it's the tightest competition. It's, it's the league that gives you the, the best bang for your buck. And there's a lot of quality in the Premier League. There's no denying that. But in my opinion, looking at the season this year and the way that Manchester City play, they're, they're a step above. And like you said, their prize is the Champions League. And I think that they came out here and they were in a groove and they wanted to make a statement and they did because a lot of the times too with City they get off to those those early starts and they just absolutely ran over Sporting and whether it was Sporting whether it was Dortmund I don't think it would have mattered I think Manchester City came here to play they're up four nothing after the first half and it was just routine Bernardo Silva I thought was just spectacular I love the way he plays and it was funny because he he was just kind of seemed to be a player that was linked to Barcelona was linked the way out of the door and he's been a, just an absolutely important player for this team but. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a statement. If you're if you're a team looking to move on to the next round, I, I think Manchester City is a team you're going to want to avoid. 
Yeah, and I agree 100% with both of you. And when Manuel said, out of all the results we've seen, there are some match. There's another matchup we're going to talk about that I think is somewhat decided, but none of them is fully done besides this one, which brings us to the second one. And this one, this one's wide open. I think you're all going to agree with this. PSG won with a very late goal from Mbappe, Neymar return in this game, Real Madrid zero. So that was the first game in France. As we've talked about, Emmanuel has talked about here, there's no more away goals. So it's just a 1-0 win. So Emmanuel, for that game, it seemed like PSG showed up to play and Real Madrid did not really show up to play as we ex- we expected the other way around. We expected a much better Real Madrid team. What, 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 what can we take from this one? Is Real Madrid done? No. Um, I, I actually thought it was really interesting how people pointed at this game and said, like, this is what happens when you get rid of the away goal rule. Like, the away team will just, like, sit and go for a 0-0 because it's beneficiary for them. And I just, like, looked at this team and uh, I looked at how it was set up and I thought to myself, like, as if Carlo Ancelotti would have approached this game any differently if there was was still an away goal rule. He would have still had this team sit back, play disciplined football, and then on a counter hit PSG once to get that one away goal, right? Um, whether they lose 2-1 or win 1-0 or go 1-1, um, at the end of the day, Real would have still only gone for the one goal because that's just how Carlo Ancelotti thinks and operates. That's Italian football. And um, I thought it was really hilarious how people singled out this one particular game as how the not having a away goal rule will ruin this competition. Um, totally forgetting who was in charge, and that's Carlo Ancelotti, right? And um, I think that that's exactly what Real Madrid was was doing that. They were banking for a 0-0, 1-0 win, and uh, they were sitting deep. They were going very disciplined. They were trying to avoid getting hit on the counter-attack, um, you know, trying to shut down Mbappe as much as possible, Di Maria too. And um, it almost worked. It almost did work um, because... At the end of the day, it was it was individual brilliance by Mbappe that that made the difference, right? Messi missing a penalty. Um, one one other thought I had about this game, and as disciplined as Real Madrid were tactically, um, and as the and as many star players you had on the field, and I'm really curious to hear your opinion about this, Josh, as well. I think you have so much star power on the field but at the same time Real Madrid's defensive approach aside it seemed like this game was all about individuals trying to make a difference rather than two teams playing against each other what did you think I mean I thought it was an interesting match I I personally saw PSG just just dominating Real Madrid now they weren't able to find more than a single goal which i mean they had the missed penalty they probably should have had more i believe the shots i don't think it was like shots on on target but i think the shots they had like 21 to, to three or something along those lines and i saw carlo lining this team up to to try to walk away with with a nil nil and i don't like you said i don't think it'd be any different in terms of if there's a way goal if there wasn't but there, there's a lot to think about with this madrid side because they started kareem benzema who we had a nice discussion before on the preview saying that if Madrid are going to do anything, it's going to be because he's fit and he's him. Now, he started, but he, in my opinion, he was certainly not fit. I don't think if you would have tossed Gareth Bale up there, Eden Hazard up there, Luka Jovic up there to, to just sit up and practically do nothing because Benzema was pretty much invisible because you could just tell he wasn't fully fit. 
And and yeah, and PSG, in my opinion, like I said, did dominate, but they just weren't able to to find that that breakthrough until till the very end. A one nothing result is kind of kind of unfair in my opinion. I thought PSG probably should have deserved a little bit more, and they make the tie a little bit open. But going into that second round, depending on what Benzema is going to look like, they're not going to have Casemiro, which I think is going to be massive to that midfield. They're not going to have Ferdinand Mendy, and if you've watched Marcelo play recently at left back, I think that Mbappe and and potentially Neymar or Messi are going to be licking their lips going at Marcelo. But at the same time, there's going to hopefully have a, a fit Neymar. So I, I don't have a lot of faith like in this second leg. I mean, it, it, I don't know how Madrid are going to tactically go at this PSG side to shift it in their favor without Casemiro, without Mendy. And depending on what Benzema's like, I, I just don't see a way that they can get through. I, I, was, I was impressed, I guess, with the way that PSG tried to take it to them, but I there was that kind of lack of fluidity in some sense because it, it, I don't know. In my opinion, this game should have been done and dusted. So one thing to add to that is it just had to be Mbappe, right? The whole Real Madrid transfer rumors. Uh, out of everyone, it had to be Mbappe scoring a late goal out of brilliance and getting them to win. Uh, before we move on to the next game, and I know Manuel wants to add something, I want to ask you guys one thing. You talked about having to play possibly Marcelo in the next game. Would it be too crazy to maybe just because you're talking about pace and all these players like Neymar that can has a lot of agility and explosiveness in Mbappe? Would it be too crazy to just maybe put Garrett Bale as the left back instead of Marcelo? No, yes, think it would that? be too crazy. <laughs> Why would it be it crazy? Would. Because I, I mean, he's he has he is fast, and he has oh. played left back in early in his career for Tottenham. So I yeah. don't know; it might be the best. I one. think he's done it for Real before too. Uh man, Felipe, I'll give you a hundred bucks if uh if he starts at left. Oh back. god, I don't <laughs> I don't see a situation where Gareth Bale Canadian dollars or American dollars. Which like, Canadian, Canadian dollars? Come on, you Canadian, Canadian Josh, like you, yeah. you you might lose your bet here. I I can't see. I cannot see any way whatsoever that Gareth. Bale oh, it's left Carlo back. Ancelotti. You, you, I know, but you know who, in my opinion, could be a very likely one. We've seen it before. Um, Nacho Fernandez. He's played at left back before. He's obviously a little bit more defensively sound than, than Marcelo is. I bet you if he doesn't play Marcelo, he'll probably play Fernandez with having, or maybe actually even playing Alba at left back. You could put Alba left yeah. back, have Fernandez, Militao at the center backs, and Calvert-Hart. So that's that's probably a little bit more. It's realistic. actually going to be Alaba on left back now that yeah. you say yeah. it. That actually yeah. makes a ton of sense. And like, it is kind of crazy that people still like people think of David Alaba now as a center back completely ignoring the fact that he was once one of the best left backs on the planet playing for Bayern before Alfonso Davies came along and he moved into the middle of the pitch right like the transition was only he was only able to move into the middle of the pitch because Bayern found Davies in Canada um before that Alaba was always a left back yeah, and he's very versatile. I mean, he plays as a CDM for for Austria a lot of the time. Yeah, so, yeah. No, th- yeah. yeah, that makes a lot more sense because I definitely wouldn't want to see uh, Mendy or for obviously not having Mendy there. I wouldn't want to see Marcelo start. So that that would probably make the most sense. But but still, I just feel like they're with. I mean, Casemiro, in my opinion, was the biggest miss, regardless. And I don't know, Manuel, if you have any input on that. But I mean, if Casemiro's not going to start there, I mean, you could put Valverde, Camavinga. I just don't think they're going to bring what Casemiro does. I think he's kind of the, the pillar that holds those three together and allows Modric and Cruz to do what they do. Very difficult to replace. Um, I would agree. That, that's going to be a tough one. Um, you know, Mendy is probably not so hard to replace, but Casemiro, he, he's the glue that holds it all together, right? Um, 
yeah, tough, 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 tough miss. And honestly, as Brazilian, as a Brazilian as well, I can say the same through a Brazilian national team. Once Casemiro can't play, the midfield is different. Um, even though we have Fabinho as an option, it's just not the same. But guys, we got to move on to the next game here because after we finish these four games, I want to quickly just go to you, a lightning round, just both of you, of your prediction of who's going to go through these four after watching the first game. But this was the big game, in my opinion. Uh, maybe not in terms of names of players in the field, but this was the one that I was looking the most forward to. And I think Manuel at least shared the same thought as me as he was looking forward to this game. RB Salzburg won. Bayern with a late goal also won. Personally, I still think Bayern's going to go through. I was very happy to see Brendan Aronson, American, actually perform well against a team like Bayern Munich, uh, got the assist. So I'm going to start this time. Let me start with Josh now, Manuel. Let me start with Josh first. I know you're going to have a lot to say about Salzburg and Bayern because these are two teams you know very well. So, so Josh, did you watch this game? What were your thoughts on it? Did it surprise you that Salzburg got a draw? Um, yeah, I'm really excited for Manuel's uh, opinion. I haven't really... Uh, heard from him yet because this was a game I know he was so excited for but yeah I did watch the match I, I thought it was interesting from from Nagelsmann just taking a look at this the lineup there having basically no fullbacks having Gnabry and Coleman playing a little bit deep having Sané low in the middle it was just looks so so attacking but it's still Bayern and I just felt because of the last time these two teams meet I, I could have saw a situation where where Bayern could have won, like I said, like I think I put my my bold prediction in as like a couple four or two games. Now clearly I was I was way off, but I want to give massive credit to Salzburg. They had a they had a game plan. They went in there. The possession was obviously dominated by Bayern. It'll be dominated at home by Bayern again. But Salzburg knew what they had to do. Uh, I was impressed with Brendan Harris and I was impressed with Adiemi, big part of the first goal there. And it was it was a shame they held on just about to the end before Coleman finally found a way through. But I think from this game impressive on Salzburg's eyes and, and some question marks around around Bayern because I mean they could have pulled the old French uh, back four and threw in Upamakano there and have Lucas Hernandez playing at left back and Pavard playing at right back and just I think put a little bit more balance to the team and I'm I'm curious to get uh, Manuel's thoughts on that instead of having these very very attacking I mean it was basically like a three four two one system but instead of those wing backs when you play that system they're basically wingers dropping back and it just looked a little off to me and i'm expecting a little bit of changes before the second leg yeah um i still think the number one issue for me is that the, the entire static of that team looks very different when, when manuel neuer plays right um when you have Manuel Neuer in goal, that back three becomes a back four automatically because he plays so high up his pit, up the field. And I think without blaming Ulreich, again, they, I mean, Neuer, I don't think would have stopped the Adamo goal either, but it's just the entire defensive static looks so differently. And I think what's what's hurting Bayern at the moment is... When you have as many brilliant attacking players as they do, um, that attack only works well when you have a foundation to build it on. And right now, the foundation has many cracks. Um, I think I, I tweeted on on Wednesday that Bayern Munich only have one real center back or one 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 real good center back, and he happens to go to Dortmund at the end of the year <laughs> um, because Lucas Hernandez for me is not. You know, they paid 80 million euros for him, but he's not a world-class centre-back. I think we can we can safely put this to rest. He's someone who could maybe back up 
Alfonso Davies is left back, you know, and, and that's that's the the sad reality. Um, Benjamin Pavard, he's great. He's a great individual player, um, but he's not really a world class centre back either. He's probably more at home as a right back, and so you're left with Sule, who I actually think had a really good game, but was left alone in, uh, quite a lot of the times. And you add to the fact you add to that that Goretzka was missing too, so you don't have that midfield stability. There's a lot of holes in defense, and um, I looked at the Bochum game on the weekend, and then um, this, you know, on the last part, I said, like, well, if they play like that, Salzburg is going to really hurt them, and they did. Now, we do have to add, though, in the second half, Bayern were absolutely dominant, right? And they should have probably gotten two or three goals. Um, but at the end of the day, the the entire static isn't there, and it doesn't work. And for the 3 4 3, Josh, I mean, it's an interesting point that it doesn't really. Seemed to work at Bayern Munich. Um, Niko Kovac tried the same thing and fell on his face. And I think that Nagelsmann is trying to bring it in because it worked so well for him at Leipzig. But he doesn't really have the players for it. Uh, Maybe with Davies it would be a little bit different, right? On Goretzka in midfield it would be a bit different. But right now he doesn't really have the players for it. And I think he's doing it because at Leipzig... um, I think he had the best defense last year in the Bundesliga. And um, it was actually the attacking play that struggled a bit more. And at Bayern Munich, it's almost reverse. But so he's trying to fix it by using the same sort of mechanisms that he had in place at Leipzig last year, but without having the players. You look at Leipzig, and I think we've got to talk about Leipzig a little bit further down the podcast. Um, They actually managed to bring in the center backs that they needed. And Bayern didn't. And I think it's going to be really interesting how Bayern are going to address that. But I, it was a fascinating game. I thought it was really good the first half. Um, Brandon Aronson and Karim Adeyemi and Adamu when he came on for Okafor, right? And I thought Okafor would be a big loss, but Adamu was 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 excellent. And um, Salzburg, Jaisler, he did exactly... He, he looked at Bayern Munich and said, this is how we're going to hurt them. We're going to play the ball quickly over the top. We're going to run at them. We're going to turn them over. We're going to use that space that's usually occupied by Neuer to, to create uh, room for us. And, and it was exactly in that room that Adamu scored the, the, the goal. And, um, you know, I, at the end of the day, a 1-1 result, Salzburg will take that because what can, anything can happen at the Allianz Arena now. Also, Leipzig, sorry, not Leipzig, Salzburg was very dangerous in transition with very direct passes, right? We saw Ayemi, Brendan Aronson especially as well. You never know, right? They're going to do the same. Like Bayern had over 70% ball possession. They were able to hold that, but it's not like Salzburg didn't have, you talked about how Bayern could have had maybe two or three goals in the second half, but it's not like Salzburg only had the goal. They had opportunities to score as well. Uh, so it's going to be a fun one. I, I actually expected Bayern not to go by easily, but I, I actually thought Bayern would go by by winning both games. Let's move on to the last game, and then we're going to go th- real quick through the four matches, just your predictions on it. The last one was Inter Milan 0, Liverpool 2, with a goal scored by Roberto Firmino at the 75th and Mo Salah at the 83rd. Now, one thing that I want to say for this game is, one, this was in Italy. So, good win for Liverpool. I personally think Liverpool's through. I know Manuel doesn't agree with me. We'll talk about that soon. Inter Milan also had zero shots on target all game long. Not very encouraging. Now, personally, I didn't watch the game. 
Um, I expect Liverpool to probably go through now with this result, especially because the next game will be in Anfield Road. So, But Manuel, let's start with you for this one. Uh, what's up with Inter? We expect a little bit better than that, right? I did. Um, yeah, this is probably the result that disappointed me the most. I know the two Liverpool goals came late, right? Or relatively late. Um, critics of the away goal rule will also point at this game and say, look, this is what happens when you get rid of the away goal rule. Like, all of a sudden, the home teams will like, have no incentive to attack anymore. It's like, it's an Italian team. What did you expect? Um, what I thought was telling is that Lautaro Martinez had no shot on goal. And if I'm into, I'm, I would be worried about that because at the end of the day, if you, if your best striker is, is so limited to that, um, that's, that's troubling because he's not going to get many more opportunities at Anfield road. Is he right? Um, and, I think that, yeah, I, I I know I said maybe that like this game is still open and the, that's because of the away goal rule, right? The two Liverpool goals uh, away are, are, the, are the same now than they would be at home. Um, so yeah, just look at it this way. And sorry to interrupt, Manuel. It, so if so, Inter Milan has to beat Liverpool for a goal, two goal differential just to take it to extra time in PKs, just for that. So two goals for that. Yeah, but that's I not just, that's not crazy. That can happen. It can happen. It can happen. There's quality, but but if the away goal rule would have been three, we know we know Klopp and yeah, I know he's, yeah, he's not right. going to let the ball drop, man. He's not going to let it drop like that. Yeah, I mean, you're probably true that that tie is is over. I'm just saying because of the away goal rule being gone, it's not as clear cut as it would have been. What about you, Josh? What do you what do you take from this game here? Yeah, I agree with uh, with Filippo. And my prediction is a little bit better for this tie than it was for the Salzburg and Bayern one. But I said that Liverpool would have two comfortable one nothing wins, and I I think the job's pretty much done at two nothing. Now I get what Manuel was saying that it opens the door because it's the Champions League and anything anything can happen. But the fact that they went to a, a very good Inter side who's obviously doing well in the league, they won two nothing away. They have the experience in the competition. In my opinion. Inter has been notoriously poor in the Champions League pretty much since they've won it back in 2010 after that season. So yeah, I, I'm expecting. I mean, I'll I'll change my mind a little bit. And I'll say there'll there'll be two two nothing victories for Liverpool because I just think that they have what it takes. They know what they have to do. And when it goes back to Anfield, they're going to give a professional performance. Inter is going to bite a little bit, try to put some bodies forward, and then they're going to get punished. And yeah, I thought it was a good game. That was it was a fun one. I was looking forward to. I was popping back and forth between that one and the Bayern one. Uh, I thought the Bayern one was a little bit. A little bit better pace to it, a little bit more open in my opinion. So I was kind of watching that one a little bit more. But uh, regardless, I thought that was a big, big result for uh, for Klopp, and I bet you a lot of Liverpool fans got big smiles on their faces. Yeah, I expected more of Inter's offense, right? Like Manuel pointed out, no no shots on target from Lautaro Martinez, no shots on target from the team in general. And this is the best attack in the Serie A. They have fifty five goals in the Serie A, but they couldn't even hit the target in this game. So it doesn't. I know anything can happen and each game is a separate event in soccer and anything can happen, but I just don't see them beating Liverpool in England with a two goal differential. Liverpool is an actually English team that has talent and is very well coached, experienced. I don't see it happening anymore. I absolutely understand the take of it's not completely over. Like the Manchester City one is completely over. Manchester City's not going to lose 6-0 at home. 
But I think these are the two matchups that are over to me. But with that said, let's just jump in to wrap up the Champions League section of this podcast. Let's just go through real quick these four games. We already talked about them enough. I just want to hear from you guys who goes through. So the first one, should I just skip it? Manchester City and Sporting. I think you two already said it, right? Manchester City's through. Both agree? Yep. All right, so let's go to this one. This one's the interesting one. PSG and Real Madrid. PSG won 1-0, the first one. We're going to Spain now. Josh pointed out some players that are missing for Real Madrid, including Casemiro. Manuel, who goes through PSG or Real Madrid? Oh, I think Real will sort of, sort of, somehow pull it off. I, I'm, you, still Josh? So, I'm confident with PSG. I said PSG before, and I'm, I feel like I'm even more confident that they're going to pull off now, just given the way that they played and... Uh, on top of that, the suspensions. But I, I'm interesting seeing Manuel sticking with uh, with Madrid. It's um, PSG like to fall on their face in this round. <laughs> Fair. Fair. <laughs> um, I'm going with Manuel too. I think Real Madrid will still pull through in this one. Experienced team, they'll, they'll figure it out. I think Real Madrid will pull through on this one. Uh, the next one. Uh, this one here, Salzburg won, Bayern won. The next game will be in Germany. Uh I'm just going to tell you guys my... I, I still think Bayern will pull through this one. Uh, Manuel, and, Manuel, go you first. Yeah, I, 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 Bayern will go through. Um, Manuel Neuer yeah, might Easy be back. or hard? I, I think Neuer will be back and um, it will be with a capacity. You know, there will be fans in the stadium again at the Allianz Arena. Um, it will be a fun game. I think there will be a lot of goals, but Bayern will go through. Uh, with ease, would you say like a two goal? Def- or oh, they will game? concede because they just always concede right now. But I think it would be like something crazy, like a six three or five two or something weird <laughs> like that. I hope so. I would. I would love to watch Josh. Uh, hopefully, what Manuel said is true because I would like to see a game with like seven goals. But what about you? You think Bayern will go with ease, or or maybe Salzburg will stun them? With with ease, but entertaining. Like I said, my predictions before were two four two. Just you know, make it easy. I said two four two. But this four two one at home could be realistic. I think it will be high scoring affair. But I I do think over the ninety minutes, Bayern will find a way to win by probably at least two goals. In fairness, the first leg should have been lots of goals. Yes, true. True. Uh, now, Manuel, Liverpool and Inter Milan. Inter Milan loses at home at San Siro two zero for Liverpool. We just talked about this game. Uh, Liverpool are going through. Yeah. Liverpool goes through. Josh already talked about it. So, Josh, Liverpool, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. again, com- comfortable win similar to the one that we just saw. I agree. I think Liverpool, Klopp's not letting this one drop. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void were prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, 
Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. So now let's go to the Europa League, which, by the way, we're not going to spend as much time in the Europa League as we spent in the Champions League just because of importance. And then we're going to talk about the CONCACAF Champions League briefly as well. But in terms of Europa League, let's start with Josh here because I want to talk about Borussia Dortmund. So you guys lost to Glasgow Rangers, Scottish Giants, I guess, like one of the biggest clubs there in in Scotland. But it was only a two-goal differential. It was 4-2. And you had more ball possession. So according to Greg Berhalter, that's a dominant performance, Josh. No, it was not a dominant performance. It was No, no, no. Are you you (laughs) anti-Greg? What Are you anti-Berhalter? It's a dominant performance. Yeah, we nailed it. (laughs) <laughs> Lost four two at home against Rangers, but nailed it with that with that sixty five percent possession. No, but it it was a it was a poor performance from from start to finish. Um, and I've been, I, I it's hard to know exactly where to point fingers at this team because I just I, I've talked about it so many times. I just feel like I'm I'm repeating myself. But this team was was built poorly from from start to finish. I mean, the board spending many years of getting young flashy players that don't actually back the manager. Marco Rosa being stubborn and. Co- sticking with this 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3, whatever it may be, that clearly doesn't fit the personnel of this side. And finally, just the mistakes from these these players individually. I mean, Dan Axel's Zagadou is a walking mistake, and he's been a walking mistake pretty much since he stepped foot in this door. In two of the last three games, he gave a, a complete laughable goal away against Leverkusen. He was at fault again. I mean, you can try to be a little critical about the handball, but... I mean, if you're a composed defender, you have to have an awareness of where your hands are. You can't just have them flopping around to give away an early penalty. Set piece defending hit us a little bit as well. And it just, it, the mentality was just laughable. It, it really was. Akanji went down as well. Uh, I think Bellingham and Guerrero were the only, I think, two players that you could probably look at with, with a bit of a positive result. And it was funny because one goal was Guerrero from Bellingham and then Bellingham from Guerrero. But it, ultimately, it just kind of sums up how this team has been playing this season. Uh, they didn't deserve to win. They'll probably go out, and it's looking like it's going to be a trophy-less and miserable season for Dortmund fans. Yeah, Manuel, Dortmund, a team that you know very well as well. You're just less emotional about it when compared to Josh. So what's up with them, man? <laughs> what's going on in Dortmund this season? Yeah, it's, um, I think we are now at a point where we can see why Dortmund went all out and brought in Niklas Süle from Bayern. And I think it's very funny that, you know, they actually hurt Bayern Munich at a critical position um, because usually it's the other way around, right? But um, at the end of the day, you see why they've done it because uh, Dan Axel Sakadu, I think we now all are very much aware that he is not a Borussia Dortmund, let alone a Bundesliga defender. He's a walking train wreck, and I don't say that lightly because these are real people. But like, I'm sorry, this is this isn't this is the sort of stuff that that just gets you undone. Um, there was a crisis meeting apparently last night where they said um, where they talked to Marco Rosa. I think the first forty, the, the first sixty minutes or so are a fireball offense. Um, you can't lose against Glasgow Rangers. No, no. If you're a team with the budget that Borussia Dortmund have, with the amount of money that they spend every year, then this is an inexcusable result. Um, at the same time, I think putting all the blame on Marco Rosa is tough because 
he can't turn Dan Axel Sakadu into a world class defender. He was given the squad, and um, the squad includes players like, you know, the squad doesn't have a proper uh, defensive midfielder. There was lots of talk about them maybe going after Dennis Zakaria. In the end of the day, Gladbach opted to sell him in the winter. Uh, rather than waiting for him, his contract to run out, which, okay, fair enough. So, um, he went to Juventus instead. But, you know, uh, Dortmund are very good at buying all these shiny attacking players, um, the most prominent ones sitting once again on, on the on the stands with an injury. You know, as good as Erling Haaland is, he, he can barely get five, six games in a row at the moment or any time. You know, I think last year he missed 30% of the games, and I think he, that number is even bigger this year. So at one point, Borussia Dortmund have to sit down and say, okay, when, when they inevitably sell Erling Haaland, probably to Real Madrid, um, they Adeyemi will come in. Okay, that's a great news attacking signing. But then they should probably take the entire rest of that money and buy another centre-back. Because without a foundation, you will never win a title. And um, they got turned over in this match over and over again by, by the Rangers. You know, this is not even Steven Gerrard's Rangers. This is Giovanni van Bronckhorst's Rangers. And I find the result was very disappointing. I thought the game was entertaining. I, I enjoyed watching it. And I think the re- return leg is going to be just the same. Uh, Josh, heads up for you there. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen lost 1-0 to Rangers, uh, I think, last year or the year before at home and then overturned the result with a 3-1 win there. So, I mean, at the end of the day, this this tie is far from over, but I think the first 60 minutes, uh, in my opinion, are a fireball offense. Yeah, Josh, anything you want to add before we move on from Dortmund? I mean, I, just looking at the second leg, I'd be very curious to see what type of Dortmund we see because, I mean, it, the team lost 5-2 at home against Leverkusen and found a way to go to a tricky tie and win 3 nothing against Union Berlin. So this team does have it in them. To, to produce but the inconsistency is just just wild so I, I think it'll be an entertaining second leg I wouldn't say my confidence is very high but I, I just think of how unpredictable this Dortmund team is it could be a very good night or it could be another uh, very disappointing one there will be goals right. <laughs> that is true. hopefully a lot hopefully a lot of goals but all right so let's go to the next game that we we're going to talk about which is Barcelona versus Napoli. Barcelona, the team that apparently is bankrupt, but at the, it's probably the richest bankrupt team in the world. They still manage to make expensive signings and are linked to every single player on the planet. But the game finished 1-1. It was played in Camp Nou. And it was kind of weird for me, at least, because the last time Barcelona actually played in Europa League, and I believe at the time it was even called still the UEFA Cup, I was still a kid. I was like seven or eight years old. So I've never seen this really in my life as an adult. It was a little weird to see it, and they kind of disappointed in terms of results. Not that Napoli is a pushover or anything, but you would expect Barcelona to beat Napoli at home. But the game finished 1-1. Barcelona tied the game in the second half with a PK. Did any of you guys fully watch this game? Uh, it's actually disappointing from Barcelona's side, but it's not a surprise really, right? No, I mean, Napoli is a, is a strong squad. Um, they're an exciting squad. They're a squad that's competing similar to uh, Inter for the top of the uh, Serie A table. And Barca's had their troubles from, from top to bottom this season. They've had a lot of turnover as well in the January transfer window. I thought it was, it was an exciting game, but if, I mean, if you're looking just purely at it, and you're Barca and you're the home side, you're expecting to try to get a result because going to the Maradona is going to be a very difficult match as well. And I mean, I don't know what the bookies are saying, but I know that... I think it's going to be a task for Barcelona to try to turn this thing around. Uh, I also know that Napoli are probably going to comfortably look at 
the standings and know that, hey, we'll probably, depending how hard they want to go for the Scudetto, but they'll probably qualify for Champions League. Barca sitting there with Sociedad, Villarreal sitting there with Atletico. Their Champions League is far from certain, and they just battled their way back up into the top four. So I'm very curious to see. I was curious to see how seriously they were going to take this competition and how much they were going to be looking towards the top four. But I think this is a brilliant result for Napoli, and I think if Napoli can do what they basically did at the Camp Nou, I think they can find a way to get the result done at home. Yeah, I hope uh, Napoli kicks Barcelona out. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on Barcelona and, and Spain in general. I think they do account. They must be doing accounting there differently than in other countries. Um, if Barcelona were playing in the Bundesliga, in Ligue 1, um, or even in Serie A, they would have had to declare bankruptcy and be relegated to fourth division. Um, so something in Spain is done a little bit differently than maybe in the rest of the world. Maybe numbers work differently there. Um, I find the entire situation is, is is a joke. You know, we're talking about a team that's indebted to the rest of the world, um, still owns other teams' monies, and they go out and buy Ferran Torres, they bring in Aubameyang, all these guys, you know, and at the end of the day, they're still allowed to compete in this competition. It's a joke, and um, I hope they go out and... I, I think the La Liga needs to take a very serious look at the, some of the clubs that are playing there. And Barcelona is the first one to cry, cry foul over the Catalonia thing too, right? And um, it seems like they, they're getting away with murder here. And um, that's all I have to say about Barcelona. This is a club that's just a mess. Yeah, let's move on from the messy Barcelona here. Well, the not... Okay, no pun intended there. By messy, I meant just like a mess. But let's go on to the next game here, which was RB Leipzig, all right? And this is the last Europa League game that we're going to talk about. There's one specific question that I have for you, Manuel, that you need to clear things up because the U.S. men's national team community kind of went crazy. So let me just start the game. RB Leipzig played Real Sociedad at Germany, and it ended 2-2, right? And the game seemed like it was exciting. Um, Both goals in the second half were off PKs for both sides. It does seem like Leipzig also played better. I personally did not watch this game. So I wanted you to walk me through this and answer one question. United States fans were going bananas on Twitter saying that Tyler Adams was playing as a center back. Is that true? Is that not true? What's going on here? So this is the thing with lineups and how they're like shown. Um, I've seen some lineups where he was put in between Simakran and Guardiol. And I've seen other lineups where uh, Klosterman was put on the right there. Um, no, it was not a center back role. Um, he may have at times been there <laughs> because you have to understand with, with Leipzig and Tedesco very much continues what Nagelsmann has done before, right? It's, it's very flexible. And, um, he did put, uh, Tyler Adams in a role where he was more or less going back and forth between playing a right wing back. Um, but also as almost like a libero defensive midfielder uh, behind Lima and Campbell. And because of that, some of the lineups put Adams between Simogan and Guardiol. Um, when it was actually probably more accurate to put Klosterman into that back three, right? And Adams further up the field, um, either to fill where Klosterman was when he was further back or to actually... Um, kind of slot in between behind Lyman Kampel when Klosterman was venturing a little bit forward. It was very flexible, but it was not a traditional center back role. Um, 
yeah, I saw that debate afterwards, and I was like, what? I, did I watch a different game? Um, it's very important, I think, sometimes to not take... I, I actually... You know, this is not for me. This is actually from someone who I talked to about this um, in an interview, and he said, like, you guys put players on a piece of paper and you think that that's where they are on the field when the reality is often very different. And I think this is a very good example of that. Josh, were you able to watch this game as well? I watched bits and pieces of it, but I watched enough of it to know that Adams did not play as a center back. Uh, Leipzig usually line up in that 3-4-2-1 or 3-4-1-2, depending on where Nkuku wants to go because he's got kind of license to stroll. And Adams has done that before. It's not a surprise seeing him kind of play in that right back, right wing back role. Uh, Klosterman is, in my opinion, probably at his best position playing on that outside right center back in a back three. He can obviously play up, up the pitch a little bit further as a wing back and a, and a right back. But but yeah, I mean, he he played as a, a wing back, but uh, it, it was a good game. It was an exciting game. I think Manuel even said off air before that this is, I think, the game he enjoyed watching the most. Uh, it's it's two pretty heavy hitters in terms of Europa League talent of the uh club higher higher up in the La Liga going for a Champions League spot as well as Leipzig and uh, I think the second tie is gonna be very interesting in Spain because like I think Manuel again I can't remember if he's I think he said it offside as well but I think he off air as well he said that he felt like Leipzig deserved to win and I I feel like that was probably fair but I I feel like it had been a one very close one one goal kind of match and uh, I'm really excited for the second leg because I feel like it'll be something similar of a a 2-2 3-2 type scoreline I think this was the best game I watched this week um simply because it was so balanced. But it was balanced in a way that like both teams are very good. Like those are two top four top four league teams, right? Going at each other. And I think in the end of the day, uh Gvario gave away a silly penalty. Um a little bit like Saga 2 did for BVB, with the difference that Guardiola I actually think is going to become a world class center back. But in this case, he just had a blackout, and it happens. He's he's only twenty, right? Um, and that gifted Real Sociedad a penalty. And in fairness, Leipzig got a penalty back and to equalize it. But I mean, uh, Enkunku, there was a there was a ball that Omo played through to Enkunku that was just absolutely world class. And I can see why all these these clubs around the world are currently trying to like sign Nkunku from Leipzig. He's just such an amazing player. Incredible to watch. Um, unfortunately, I know from people at Leipzig, and this is pretty much, you know, this is not a secret if, you, if you're familiar with German football. Leipzig don't have any exit clauses for any of these players and they will not sell any of their guys this summer because they really want to attack Bayern Munich next year. And I think with the squad that they have and the coach that they have now in Tedesco, they can do it. And this is going to be a great game. The return is going to be just absolutely fantastic because 2-2 means 0-0 now and we're just going to have more goals. So pretty much a knockout round where it's tied to start with. So... Moving on to the last section of today's podcast, and anyone listening right now, one thing we would kindly like to request, if you can, leave a review in the podcast. It goes a long way. Thank you very much. Let's talk about the CONCACAF Champions League. More specifically, we're going to go just towards the MLS clubs, right? So New York City FC defeated the Costa Rican side, Santos de Guapiles. Hopefully I said that right. 2 nothing. two goals scored by Tati Castellanos that has been linked to clubs in South America like Palmeiras and River Plate and clubs in Europe. But it seems like he won't leave, at least not till the summer. 
Montreal lost to Santos Laguna and in a game that I actually didn't think Montreal played that bad. Um, I thought they did fine. Uh, another American team that played, which was probably the most disappointing one, was the Colorado Rapids. <laughs> they managed to lose to the Guatemalan side, Comunicaciones, which just means communication. That's their name. We also had the game Montagua, which was yesterday against the Seattle Sounders, which ended 0-0. It was kind of painful to watch this game. Montagua from Honduras. And who knows what will happen there. This this is my and, and also we had the New England one, which their their Cavalry, Cavalry, the opponents from Haiti had a forfeit, right? So New England has already advanced because they had a forfeit because they couldn't get into the US. So just my quick thoughts on this, because I followed this surprisingly a little bit closer than the Champions League due to the times, right? I'm I'm out of work. The games are a little bit later here in Orlando, so I'm able to actually follow and watch them. Overall, I'm very disappointed with the performances of most MLS sides, despite New York City FC, even though their opponent was very bad. But at the same time, I do understand, and I want to take this with a grain of salt, because MLS is in preseason. I don't know the situation with the clubs they're facing, whether their season started earlier. I don't follow them, to be honest. Um, and besides that, the only team that we faced that was probably tough was Montreal, had the toughest opponents from Liga MX. But Manuel, I wanted to pick your brain on this. Is it all because of preseason or is just MLS still going to continue to struggle in the CONCACAF Champions League and we're going to lose to Liga and Mexi clubs as as always? I think a big part of it is preseason. I think that Montreal, for example, get a result um, against Santos Laguna if, they, if they're like a further two weeks in. I, thought, I actually thought Montreal played really well. Uh, against Santos Laguna there in Mexico, right? Which is a tough place to go to. And you could just tell that after 60, 70 minutes, the legs weren't there anymore. And that that's that's a preseason thing. I think, you know, this game gets played two weeks from now. Montreal probably walk away for a draw, maybe even win. Um, the Seattle game, I watched that last night and I thought that was quite telling that, you know, again, legs just weren't there. Um, and I'm pretty sure that Seattle will win the return and goes through. The same with Colorado. I mean, uh, Colorado also just... You could just tell that they lost some important pieces and they just weren't quite together yet. You know, for these, for a lot of the uh, MLS teams, these are these are preseason games. Now, that said, um, I want to point something out here, Filippo, because at the same time, you have a team like Forge from the Canadian Premier League, a league that's going into its fourth season and they go toe-to-toe with Cruz Azul. So it isn't just like that the Mexican teams are just strolling through this competition either, right? Um, and Forge, Forge probably would have had a result if they had a keeper and a guy who can put the ball in the net up front. And I think at the end of the day, these, 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 this first round, the way CONCACAF Champions League is set up, and it's getting reformed, which I think is a good thing. Um, the entire tournament needs a look over. Um the way it is currently is for a lot of these clubs, it's more or less a preseason game, right? And another friendly, and it doesn't really get serious until it comes close to the final. And Mexican teams take it very, very serious, and MLS teams maybe not so much. Yeah, I wanted to add one thing to what you said. Yes, uh, I, I didn't dive into the Mexican side, but besides Club Leon, uh, that they got a 2 0 away win, Pumas tied Deportivo Saprisa in Costa Rica. So uh, Santos Laguna barely got through Montreal. And like you said, Cruz Azul also barely got through Forge. So 
yeah, nobody was really dominant. Uh, probably the two teams that stood out in terms of results were New York City FC and Club Leon. Besides that, yeah, it's it goes back to that weird CONCACAF vibes, right? Where some games are meant to be easy and then all of a sudden it becomes scrappy and difficult to play. Why play Josh, in February you... too? Sorry, just to interrupt you, but why play yeah. it at this time of the year? It makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, CONCACAF has a lot of things they need to review. They can definitely, the, the Confederation definitely has has something that maybe UEFA and Common Bar are way ahead and they have something they don't have. They have lots of room for improvement. CONCACAF has a lot to work on and it can be much better than it is. And uh, we can talk about this in a different episode. Otherwise, we're going to talk forever. But Josh, were you able to follow through with the games? Yeah, I was able to watch a couple of them. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of points like you guys just brought up. I mean, the, the timing of the competition is hilarious. We've seen in the past as well. I mean, it's a lot of the the debate is how serious do MLS teams take this. And we've seen some MLS seasons get derailed because of the, if, if the MLS teams are going to take this competition seriously and these games start stacking up the be- beginning of the season, yes, they may move on to the, the quarter semis, maybe even a final appearance, but the attention, once you win a leg, kind of switches towards the CONCACAF Champions League and then you see results in the MLS slip and then you're battling an uphill battle where some of your games have been postponed. And it's just, it's it's a bit messy, to, to be honest. And I mean, that's a completely different topic. But with the games themselves, I mean, Santos Laguna have been struggling Lee Mexi really badly. I thought this was going to be a good opportunity for Montreal to get a result. I thought they were a little unfairly done by. This was the game I was able to to watch in its entirety. I think that there's a good chance going to the freezing cold in Montreal that Santos Laguna trying to focus Although on. Although it's at the big old Josh. It's, indoor. it's, big, it's, oh, yeah, it's indoors. It's, oh, it's indoors. Yeah. Uh, still, still, I think there's, I mean, I still think there's a, sh- a shot there for a, uh, for Montreal, um, I saw a lot of tweets going around with the Rapids, obviously a team notoriously known for not spending, seeing Acosta leave, for example, not really properly recruiting. No, they, they replaced Acosta with another Acosta. With another Acosta. But but still, a lot of people saw their uh, transfer season as a bit of a downgrade. And uh, because of that, there's a lot of shots being fired at uh, the Rapids. But yeah, the one that the one that stood out to me too was um, NYFC. I mean... I thought that was a statement, and I, I thought it was a great way to get kick-started and getting your, your top striker, your talisman, getting off with a brace. Uh, I'm excited to see what New York can potentially do, and a little bit worried for some of the other MLS clubs. But I, like you guys said, I do think Seattle will, will find a way because I think that they're the team, in, in my eyes, that could do the biggest damage from the MLS this season. I, I have some thoughts on Tati, but I think we should leave that for Monday. Yes, and we will be back on Monday, and make sure you guys leave a review. I'm not going to finish this episode. I'm going to let Manuel close it the same way he opened. He's going to close it. We'll be back on Monday, and we can talk about maybe Tati Castellanos a little bit on it. There's going to be a lot to talk about. There's a lot going on this weekend as well. But Manuel, take it from here. Yeah, I mean, thanks again for listening, everyone. And as Philip said, we're back Monday. So until then, cheers and bye-bye. <laughs>